Welcome to the Coastline Podcast. We exist as a church to help connect you to God and the people around you, to help you grow in your faith, and to challenge you to go into your community sharing the love of Christ. Three things, connect, grow, go. If you'd like information on what is going on at Coastline, follow us on Instagram and Facebook or email us at hello at coastlinensb.com. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, I, I think we're kind of past this point in which, uh, as a church, where people just come in when it's dark and we sit down in our corner and then we leave before anyone can shake your hands. Man, I think when it comes to uh, doing church, we're supposed to be doing life together, amen? And so uh, anything we can do to keep connecting with one another, man, meet some new people, meet someone that maybe you've never seen before, get to know some people. Uh, you might even do the awkward thing one day where you're like, how long you been coming? And they're like, three years. You're like, oh, me too. And that's all right, man. That's just part of us growing uh, with one another. But today, as we jump into this uh, series uh, called United, uh, Running the Race Together as One, um, I, I got the idea for the sermon actually from uh, an interaction I've had with my wife over the past some like 14 years. How long we know each other? 14, 15 years? Around there. When I met Erica, um, I was a, a very young looking man, you know, uh, very strapping. It was 300 pounds of twisted steel and sex appeal. This is really looking good. Um, and, and I met her, she was in the cafe uh, of the church I was going to, uh, helping serve coffees and stuff like that. And we got to know one another. We became friends. We hung out with the same people group. It wasn't romance right from the get-go. I know you're surprised because I'm like Rico Suave. I'm very romantic. Um, but we got to know one another. And one of the things that was fascinating, one of the things that drew me to her, there was two things that surprised me. The first one is knowing Erica to be a classy lady like she is. She has a very fine taste in life, taste like delicious Starbucks beverages, right? Uh, she goes to these fancy places called Target. You guys ever been there before, Target? Um, very classy lady to come to find out that she liked this place that I've visited so many times as a child called Waffle House. It was very shocking to me. Waffle House, there's, you know what, if there was a list of 20 words to describe Waffle House, there'd be lots of creative words to say. Classy would not be any of them, right? That is not it. And so to see this beautifully put together young woman, very classy lady, likes the finer things in life, to say she wanted me to take her to Waffle House, I said, yes, ma'am, let's do it. Uh, and so we've been going to Waffle House past, you know, 15 years now. We, I think we went for like or even our, somewhere around our anniversary. Uh, we went to the Waffle House, big Waffle House fans. The second thing that surprised me was almost as classy as Waffle House, but some of you guys don't know this, but Erica is a very, very astute, I don't even know if that's the right word, what, what's a good word, extreme fan of NASCAR, right, which everybody, there was a hush fell over the crowd, because it's like, that doesn't, that doesn't make any sense, you see her on Instagram, or on YouTube, and doing the announcements, you're like, this lady likes NASCAR, doesn't make any sense, I felt the same way. I am an, I love NASCAR, big fan of NASCAR. Uh, you know, I, when I was a kid, sat in line, getting people's autographs and stuff like that, watched some races. Um, I, I really enjoy going to see NASCAR, but Erica takes it to another level. Erica, when we met, would be able to tell me, like, what driver was, run, was running which number car, 
were they in a Dodge? Well, they don't even do Dodge anymore. Chevrolet, a Ford, or a Toyota, whatever it was, who the owner of the team was, what the standing and the points were, what, what uh, whoever the sponsor was for that race, she just would be able to rattle off all these things. And she, she can still do it. And every Sunday after church, when we go home and watch the race, I am uh, hu uh, humbled. I'm a, I must said humilified, which that's not even a word, first off. Uh, but uh, humbled. Uh, that my wife knows more about NASCAR than I do. It's, it's absolutely crazy. Now, before some of you guys already glazed over, you're like, dude, we're two minutes in, and we're talking about rednecks turning left. This is not my thing. Hang with me for just two seconds, okay? As I share this passion with, passion with my life, is, or with my wife, being able to, to watch this, and we have a fun time going to these races and stuff, I realize that much like as we watch these drivers go round and round, much like the race that they're in, Eric and I, and even us as, as followers of Christ, we are in a similar race today through this adventure called life. And when it comes to specifically the, uh, the, the Apostle Paul, he talks about this in 1 Corinthians. Uh, he, he writes this letter to the church in Corinth, Corinth, and he says this. He says, do you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All the athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. When it comes to this life, this adventure that we have, we are all running a race. We should do it like that to win. But the thing that we need to know today is although, although our, our community or our culture says that you are alone in this race, that you're the only one that can handle this race, that you're the one that has the ability to make decisions and choices to change your future in this race. I wanna remind you that you're not meant to do it alone, that you don't have to do it alone, that that's not the pressure that God's put on you to go through this race alone. And I'm reminded that as at every, every NASCAR race at the end of it, as Eric and I are watching, it always finishes off the same way. The driver gets out of the car, and they say, well, how did it feel to go, you know, 400 miles and take, you know, 1,200 left turns at 200 miles an hour? And they all say the same thing. It's like, well, I just got to take a minute to thank the Chevrolet team and this, uh, this Pepto-Bismol Toyota or whatever and Joe Gibbs Racing. I got I to gotta thank my crew chief. I got to thank my, my tire change, my pit crew. I got to change my smoking hot wife. I said change. I said thank. I wanted to say thank you. Got to say, we, the, dear Lord, baby Jesus, stop it. <laughs> Siri just started talking to me. They go through this whole thankful time of like, and they thank all these things. But the reason is because they understand it's not just them. It, they're not the only ones in the race. They understand that there's so many pieces that need to be put together to make the race happen. That if at any point, any of those pieces, any of those players, any of the members of the team, if they're not working in unity, if they're not going through the race as one, they get no chance to win. And so for the next couple of weeks, I want to talk about the power of unity in our lives. Specifically, I'm going to talk through, uh, this morning I want to talk about the uh, power of unity in our marriages. Next week, I want to talk about power of unity in our family. 
And the third thing I want to talk about is the power of unity in our humanity. And so I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to jump right into this. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity that we get to come together as brothers and sisters in Christ and read your word and follow what your son has told us to do. I pray that you teach us to live life connected to one another. I pray that you would spur us to change, not get comfortable with where we're at, but to become better than what we were when we came in. Thank you so much for what's to come. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. Amen. Today as I talk about marriage, uh, one of the things I want to make sure you get out of this is if today you're here and you're not married, this is not, this is not the, the time for you to tune out. If you're here today and at some point maybe you were married and you're not married now, maybe like you're thinking about marriage, my, my hope at no point is to make you uh, feel convicted about anything I'm saying. That's not where this, that's not the heart of where this sermon's coming from. I hope that you feel encouraged. My prayer for this, this message is that, that this would help you as you're going along through your marriage, if you're in one right now, that it would help you to heal from maybe pain or frustration or hurt that you've had from marriage, or that today would help prepare you for what's to come. Whether it's in the marriage you're in now, whether it's maybe you have not met your spouse yet, um, but 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 my hope is that you're encouraged by this, not that you're hindered or hurt. Okay, please know from the heart that that's coming from. Jesus communicates about marriage very specifically in Mark chapter ten, verse six through nine, and he he starts out by actually quoting back in Genesis. Uh, when it's talked about, he says this in verse six, he says, God made them male and female from the beginning of creation. Now I'll stop right there. This is the, here in the next couple weeks, I'm going to talk about unity and humanity. Uh, when I read this, this past week, I somehow there's, I've never read this in my entire life and felt any type of angst, but because of what we see on television, because of what we're seeing in politics, even saying this, this phrase right here, talking about uh, gender has started to, in my mind, I was like, man, there, there could be some tension with this. And so I'm, I'm going to talk about this a whole lot more. We're talking about uh, humanity and love and how we're supposed to treat one another here in the next couple of weeks. You're going to want to come back for it. But here Jesus specifically talks about it in this way. And I think that, I, I think that when it comes to the humanity part of how we should live in unity, I believe in this. I, I don't care if you come in to Coastline Church and you say, Brian, I'm a duck. I want to quack like a duck. I want to talk like a duck. You can do whatever you want to do. I, I, I'm, I'm going to accept you. I'm going to love you because I think that's what Jesus has called me to do. But if you get mad and you get frustrated and you throw out hateful words because I'm not going to say that or I don't agree with you, I, I, I think that's where we're getting off point. I think at some point that that's not how Jesus is not going to return that with hatred. I think that we've got to look through this in the lens of love and humility and patience. Ultimately, when it comes to decisions that we make and how we view things, I think we've got to look through it through the lens of how Jesus would see it. And so I, I want you to hold, when we talk about marriage today, when we talk about family next week, when we talk about humanity the third week, I want you to see this all through the lens of Jesus. How would Jesus respond? How does Jesus talk about this? And if we can hold on to that, I think we can all come to the same terms. So he says, he said, God made the male and female from the beginning of creation. 
This explains why a man leaves his father and his mother and is joined to his wife. Now, that is the part that is quoted in Genesis. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He moves on. He gets to this next point. He, he adds an addition. And so rather than saying just what was, what was in Genesis, what was said in the old law, he, he says, hey, I want to tell you my insight when it comes to this specific thing. He says the man uh, will leave his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. So Jesus says, he says, the two are no longer two, they're one. And if God's joined them together, let no one split them apart. He very clearly is talking about the importance when it comes to marriage uh, to be unified together, to live in in unity with one another. He's not just preluding to the physical connection that happens between a husband and a wife. He's talking about something deeper. He's saying that there's a spiritual part. There's a part in our lives that when this happened that we get so connected to the point where even uh, uh, we're connected on a deeper level than what just can physically be seen. He says now this, these two people, this pair, operate and function as one. If God's allowed this to happen, allowed them to join together, let no man separate what God has joined together. This was a very hard lesson for me to learn I'm not going to speak for my wife, but for the first couple years of our marriage, it, I, I know it looks like we got it all together. We don't. We're still working on it. But the first two years of marriage, I didn't know if she was going to kill me or not. It was one of those things. I woke up every day. You kind of like wonder, like, this could be it. This could be the fine. This could be the last day. It was really tough. There was times where, as we're living in our, like, 900-square-feet home, our two-bedroom, one-bath, she had no idea how much of a slob I was. Don't say am. I know where you're, I know where you're, yeah, I know. I'm working on it, slowly. 12 years, it's gotten to me at this point now. Erica could not believe that somehow I did not know that dirty clothes go in the dirty clothes basket. It's the wildest thing, you know, they're just all over the floor. And I had no clue that in the little tiny bathroom that we had, that someone could spend an hour and a half getting ready for something in there. It's a, like there's irons going, there's hair dryers going. It looks like a hot box in there. It was a struggle. It was a real struggle. It was also a struggle when it came to things like grocery shopping, when it came to money management. It was, it was difficult. It was tough. But the hardest thing for us is when because we did not understand that we were one. The thing that was most detrimental is when we would fight with each other and point out the falls, faults and flaws that the other had. We're in this situation because you did this. I wish you would just act more like this. And as we kept pointing the finger and kept arguing, it got to the point there was, it created more and more separation. And it wasn't until someone came into our lives and said, hey, I want to I help you out with this. You need to understand that you are on the same team together. The Bible says that you're one. That means you are the nickels. You are, you're together as one. So it's you versus everyone else. I said, that sounds cute, cutesy and all. He says, no, no, it's literally in the Bible. 
It said, if, if, two, if, if they're no longer two, but they are one, let no one separate them because God has joined them together. So that means you are one and that there will be things that try to separate you. And Jesus says, don't let that happen. You've got to fight to stay unified. So literally now it gets to a point where Eric and I will go and we'll start arguing about something and we'll stop and think, okay, hold on a second. You think this, I th- I'm going to come to your side real quick. We're on, I'm on your side. We're on the same team. How do we do battle against this thing we're fighting against? There's an issue where, where trust comes up, anxiety comes up. Oh my gosh, is, you know, Erica will come and she, you know, it's, and it's, it's happened, you know, um, handful of times. She's like, are you cheating on me? When she asked me this, I kind of feel a little bit, I'm like, you think somebody else wants this? <laughs> like, I'm, I mean, I got it going on, I guess. But no, I, when that happens, I stop. I say, baby, I'm, I'm on your side. Like, so let's, let, we do whatever we got to do. Let's pull out every phone, every Facebook thing, every, I'm going to tell you right, husbands, I'm, you're not, you might not like this. If you hide stuff from your wife, you're doing it wrong. You're creating separation in your life. Don't do that. that that's advice. That's not from the Bible. Just, I want to be clear on this. This is, this is advice from Brian Nichols. If your wife has tension or anxiety about, she thinks that she's worried about something in your life, you are on her side, she is on your side, get together and do battle against it. Don't live in separation. Unity is important. Be on the same team, it's you versus the world. The Apostle Paul, he talks about uh, the, the key elements that are required to make this unity work. One of them he describes, uh, we use uh, a lot in, uh, in marriages. Uh, it's actually to the church that's talking about the importance and it describes love. And I think it's a great way that we should describe love in our own relationships. Love is a key element that allows us to work together as a couple in unity. The second one is submission. Now I, w- I want you to hold on to this. Ladies, there's, there's a part of this where at some point I'm going to say something that because of our culture in today's age, you, you, might, you might at some point think, hold up a second, fat boy. It's all right. Let's just, just hold on to it. Let me, get, let me get through it. Feel the tension and let's sit in it. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, it says, and further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. I want you to key in on that part. It says, submit to one another. That means equal submission, right? It doesn't mean one or the other. The part that you've probably heard in the past is this part where it says, for wives, this means submit to your husband as to the Lord. Wives, I'm giving you permission. At any point, if your husband comes to you and says, the Bible says, wives, you're supposed to submit to your husbands. You can give your husband my number, and I will gladly talk to him. We will have a conversation about biblical theology when it comes to submission and marriage. Because Paul says before that, he says, submit to one another. And then after that, he says this. In Ephesians 5, verse 25, it says, for husbands... This means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. 
When I read this back in the day, I think I'd give up my, I'd give up my life for Erica. If, there came, if someone came in and threatened her life and said, it's you or her, like I'm, I'm taking the bullet, that's it. I'm okay with that. I don't think that's what Paul means here though. I think there's a part of it where Paul is saying like, but would you give up some of the things that you value in your life? Would you, t- would you take a step and, and compromise and meet her halfway? If, if I were to preach to myself, if I was a pastor that, that had a point where it was, I, I put all of my laundry in the dirty clothes, I'd say there's a part where it says, that might be the easy thing to do. That might be the thing you're used to. But would you give up of your life a little bit because of your love for her? It's, it's equal submission. And in a world, in a culture where we sit and we think, I got to get what I need. I got to get the things, I got to get the things that I need and that I want. And I got to defend myself because of, because no one else defend me. Paul says the way to do it is if you will lean on one another. Jesus says if you will live in unity with one another. If the two will become one. Whenever I read this, I think of, this visualization of if I had two giant two-by-fours up here. If I tried to get the two-by-fours to balance by themselves separately, they, they got to find their own balance. There's no chance I'm ever going to, I'm not that coordinated, first off. But if I can get those two-by-fours to come together and meet at the top and put equal amount of weight on one another, they have the power to not only support themselves, but to support other things. They're, they're better if we can get them to lean on one another. And I think that's what Paul is trying to communicate. That when it comes to your life, when it comes to this new, when it comes to maybe the relationship you're going into, there's a part of equal submission that we've got to connect with. Paul continues to say this in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31. And as the band comes up, it says, this is the, as the scripture says, and he quotes again what Jesus said and what is said in Genesis. He says, a man leaves his father and his mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. He says, this is a great mystery. It doesn't, the Bible doesn't ever say that Paul was married at all. So he's like, I don't know, man. I've... I see a lot, there's a lot of things that happen inside marriage. He's like, I don't know if I want a part of that. He says, but it's also, it's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife and ask his life as, as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. He says this equal submission and love and respect to one another. And he, he makes sure to point out that the same type of relationship is the same type of relationship that Jesus wants with me and you. I wanna stop for a moment. If you're in this room and, and you feel alone, maybe that's something you struggle with. Maybe you've got fears of being alone. You, you've been struggling, it's been it's been keeping you up at night. It's been causing anxiety. 
I want to tell you that that I believe that feeling of loneliness sometimes is the Holy Spirit communicating an opportunity for connection. That, that, that maybe that, that, that feeling of loneliness is actually God crying out to say, like, hey, I'm, I want to step in. Let's, you and I, have, if we can get this worked out, I'll provide the rest that you need. If, 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 you'll, if you'll step in to me, if we can have this relationship, you won't feel that, that loneliness any longer. And if you don't have that, that, that thing that if you'll let me supply all your needs, it'll be a lot easier for that person that I'm going to bring you because they, they can't give you everything that you need. I'm going to tell you right now, as, as someone, I, I've only been doing this for 12, 13 years now. If at some point I, I went into this thinking, Erica will supply all the things that I need, all the things that I want. And if she thought the same thing about me, we would have lasted maybe two or three years. And at 13 years, I'm not saying we're successful or anything, but I'm telling you, at some point we connected and understood that as we would come together, if we would pursue Jesus in that relationship, the best would be what's yet to come. So that's what we've done. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 9 says this. It says, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. How can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. And then he goes on, they go on to say this. He says, three are even better. For a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Now, I, I want to be very clear. This is not talking about, like, you should go get a second husband or a second wife. That's not where I'm going to tell you, if that's where you're headed, like, I'm going to start Googling some counselors because you're going to need it, and it's going to be a tough life. You're going to live. But I think in this braid that is the Nichols family, as we put God in the mix of that, as we say, Jesus, you come along and do life with us, we're way stronger and better than we are without them. So today, if, if you're married, my hope, my, my, my prayer for you today is that you're able to pick each other up with what you're going through. As you love one another, as you live in unity, as you, as you uh, surrender to one another, as you submit to each other, when one falls, you'll be able to pick each other up. That, that when you feel cold, when you're going through the, the, the deep valleys, the dark times of your life, that, that, that you'll be there for one another to keep each other warm. And that when you got to come together and do war and battle something, that you won't not have to defend yourselves, but you'll be able to conquer it as you live in unity, running the race as one. If you're here today 
You say, Brian, I, I haven't found that one yet. I haven't found the other piece to it. I want to tell you this. I think, one, Jesus wants to be that peace with whatever you're at now. He wants to step in. He wants you to be in a relationship with him. And he also wants you to prepare for what's to come. Our culture says a lot of things about a lot of things. And none are more creative than when it comes to advice about relationships and dating. Seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will work out. So I want to challenge you to step in and live into that. My hope is that as we continue to pursue unity, as we don't fight with one another, as we pursue him together, as couples, as families, as humanity, life will be better than what it is right now. If you need help with anything, if you're struggling in your marriage, if uh, I want to tell you, as, as uh, my wife and I uh, many times have sought counseling together, it's been extremely helpful. At no point did I feel like we were any less, did I feel like our marriage was broken. If anything, I felt like when we walked away, we were empowered and given the tools to get through what we were going through. If at any point you feel weird about counseling, please do not. Find a good counselor. Find a good Christian counselor if you can. If you need help, I'll be happy to, to help you find one. Pursue Christ together as one. I promise you what you go through, you'll be able to get through. Let me pray for us. Jesus, I thank you so much for the path that you have us on, for what's ahead of us, God, for the adventure that we get to share together. God, I right now pray that uh, even in this moment, your Holy Spirit would come upon us and that when it comes to the areas of our life that the enemy tries to create division to happen in our marriages, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would sweep it away, that you would uh, put that tongue on our, that tug on our hearts and our spirits to come closer together, to run this race as one, to pursue you together. I pray that we would stop fighting with one another, that we would stop looking at each other in opposition, but that we would connect and be in unity and defend each other and conquer the things that need to conquer and that every day we would wake up and pursue you together and I thank you so much that as we continue to do that the best is still yet to come in Jesus name we pray Amen As always Coastline know that you are loved and that the best is yet to come